0: Welcome to Practical Christian Living.
1: The day will come when God, his anger will be complete and God will judge this world. Not only is God the merciful God who created us, but he is the judge of the universe. And he demands justice. How do we tie that together with the fact that we've been given mercy?
0: God is slow to anger and abounds in mercy. Whatever you're struggling with today, let the mercy and grace of God bring real comfort to you in this moment. When we are in need of strength and encouragement during the dark and stormy seasons, the Psalms are a great place to go. Stay with us as we bring you the continuation of our study in Psalm 101 through 103. Here's Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson.
1: At certain times, we struggle with anxiety. As a young man, I remember thinking that I would never have any struggles with anxiety. As I get older, I cling to the passages that say, be anxious about nothing, but everything with prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. So every time I feel anxious, I find myself going to him in prayer with a thankful heart for what he's done in the midst of my life. And, and in the midst of your emotion. Also in that, in that struggle emotionally, is could also be a struggle with faith. And that is, why isn't God answering my prayers? Maybe even with the suffering and illness as well. Why isn't God answering my prayers? Why isn't he hearing me? Is God really there? And you might find yourself really struggling with doubts. And to you, I want to say, if that's the case, you know what? God's big enough to hear your doubts. For you to say to God in prayer, Lord, I, I don't even know if you're there. I don't even know if we just, if we, we just happened. I, I'm struggling with this. That's not blasphemy. God doesn't go, blasphemy, now I'm gonna curse you. Now things are gonna get worse. Sometimes we're just afraid to pour out our hearts before God. And I love Psalms like this where the heart is just poured out to God. I love Job. Again, Job said, I wish God were a man because if God were a man, I would set him down and say, what are you doing? I think we've all been there before I wish I could just find God and set him down and say I don't understand what you're doing God is big enough to take all of our struggles and all of our doubts and everything that we might be feeling and bring them before him in fact I believe that there's no one better to bring them to I believe it is a way to resolve them by the time he gets to verse 12 he says but you O Lord shall endure forever he now takes his focus away from his present problems, and places them on God. And that's a good thing to do. Our lives, well, with many days comes much sorrow. Book of Ecclesiastes tells us, but you and Lord, you, O Lord, shall endure forever and the remembrance of your name to all generations. You will arise and have mercy on Zion. Zion is a hill in Jerusalem from the time of to to favor her, yes, the set time has come for your servants to take pleasure in her stones and show favor to her dust and the nations shall fear the name of the Lord God and all the kings of the earth your glory for the Lord shall build up Zion. He shall appear in his glory. He shall regard the prayers of the destitute and shall not despise their prayers. One day, everything will be wrapped up. One day, God will work out all things in our lives. The Bible says, and I think it's 2 Corinthians, that God doesn't give us more than what we can handle. Even in the midst of the difficult and dark times, we look forward to his return. We look forward to him establishing his glory. We look forward to what he's going to do in the midst of our lives so that we aren't swallowed up by our despair. We don't find ourselves thinking, How am I going to survive this? Because we put our focus on what really matters, that our time here is set upon him. He says in verse 18, this will be written for the generations to come that a people yet to be created may praise the Lord. For he looked down from the heights of his sanctuary, from the heavens, and the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to release those appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem, when the people are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. He weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days. Your years are throughout all generations. Of old, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you will endure. Yes, they will grow old like a garment, like a cloak, and you will change them. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue, and the descendants will be established before you. Last week when we finished Psalms 100, we talked about revealed revelation. That is that we didn't know as much about God when Genesis chapter one was written as we know about God when the end of Revelation is written. That throughout time, there's been this revelation. And one of the things that people do is to look back at the Old Testament and say, they didn't really have an understanding of eternity in the Old Testament. And if we were to go back and to see what they thought about what was going to happen to them after they die, I, I don't think that any of us could say, With any kind of confidence, I know exactly what they thought. But when you come to the end of this psalm, like the end of Psalm 100, once again, you hear them speaking of God in his eternity. Jesus tackled this very topic. Jesus said to the the Sadducees who did not believe in a resurrection, there is such a vagueness to eternity in the Old Testament that there were two different groups, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. These were two different religious groups. The Pharisees believed in a resurrection. The Sadducees did not. They were united together, remember, in the book of Acts against Paul. And when Paul stood in front of him, the Bible says that when he saw that there were Pharisees and Sadducees, Paul said, I am here being persecuted to you today because I believe in the resurrection. The Bible says that they started fighting amongst each other, that they turned on each other just over the whole concept and idea of the resurrection. Jesus said, God said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Not I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Therefore, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are existing. By the time we get into the New Testament, we are told to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So we find ourselves in his presence. So looking back at verse 26, they will perish, but you will endure They will all grow old like the garments. This is the the heavens, like a cloak that will change them. They will be changed, but you are the same and your years will have no end. The children of your servants will continue and the descendants will be established before you. Now Psalms 103 is another Psalm of David. This is a radically different Psalm than the Psalm that we just read. In fact, it's interesting that they're coupled together. You have a Psalm of despair, And then you have a psalm of praise. In fact, in this little section, when you go from 101 to 102, 103, you've got somebody overconfidently dedicating their lives to the Lord and what they're going to do and what they're going to do for God. You've got somebody in the depths of despair. And then you've got somebody that's praising God for all of the things that God has done. Verse one of chapter 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities and heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Now go back to verse 3. It says at the end of verse 2, forget not his benefits, who forgives all of your iniquities and heals all of your diseases. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that the Messiah would come and die as a sacrifice for our sins to be forgiven. When Jesus died on the cross, all of your sins were in the future and they were, in, they were placed upon him and they were imputed to you. That means that he has forgiven us of our sins. Past, present, and future. They were all future before, when Jesus was on the cross. He's forgiven of them all. Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that confessing isn't so much a list of sins that I have to sit down at the end of the day and go, okay, God, I got really angry when I was driving. I got really jealous when I saw that car. I got, you know, kind of going through a list of what your sins might be, but that you would have a heart that would say, I want to serve and follow God. I want him to forgive me and I want things to be right. We confess that we have sins in our lives and all of our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. He says, All of your diseases will be healed. He heals all of your diseases. Now, some have have read this and said that if you have enough faith, that there is healing for everyone completely, and certainly it is true that when we all stand before God, what does it say in Revelation? There will be no lame, there will be no blind. Certainly, there is an ultimate healing that is true. But I also think that we've got to look at this under the law. Had someone been able to live by the law, the Lord had told them in the book of Deuteronomy that if you guys do these things, then you will be blessed. If you don't do these things, then you will be cursed. And when you read the blessings, had they been able to live by the law, they would have had tremendous amounts of health. They would have not had the struggles that they had. But here's the thing, they all failed. There wasn't one of them that was able to keep the law. And so according to the book of Hebrews, the law then became not something to justify you, but something to show you your sin. If it wasn't for the law, Paul said, I wouldn't have known that I was a sinner. But because of the law, I know that I'm a sinner. So we if we could walk in that perfect way, there may have very well have been a point of not having any sickness at all, but we, we weren't able to. And now that we're walking by grace, we're walking in the midst of a world that God doesn't transform us and change us into somebody different. He keeps us in the world so that people around us see us walking with Christ and they are drawn to him. And it's in your weaknesses that Christ speaks the loudest. It certainly is in victories and in great times, but it's also in difficult times and hard times that he speaks the loudest. He goes on to say, who redeemed your life from destruction, who crowned you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known all of his ways to Moses his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious and slow to anger and abounding in mercy. I can't read that without thinking of Gail Irwin, by the way. But it is really true. God is merciful. That means that he's not giving you what you deserve. Don't ever say to God, God, give me what I deserve. If you do, give me a chance to get away from you first. (laughs) So that when you get what you deserve, it doesn't get on me. I want God's grace. Mercy is is when you get what you deserve. Grace is when you get a gift from God. Grace is when you are given, not what you've earned, but given something that is a complete gift from the Lord. Slow to anger, which is a good thing, isn't it? God is slow to anger. Some of you guys had parents that were quick to anger. My mom, fairly slow to anger. My dad was quick to anger. I'm glad God's not that way. When I was growing up it was always Robert you're in trouble and you can't go get ice cream with us because you're in trouble or don't you think you know you can just go do that you can't go outside and play because you're in trouble when I first became a Christian I used to think that I was always in trouble with God That I'd blown it and so I was in trouble with him that I had to do a certain amount of righteous work before I could be in a right relationship with him it didn't help that when I well I first began to attend a church outside of the Methodist church that it was an assembly of God's church that taught the holiness movement, which was that you could be perfect. Regularly from the pulpit, they taught that if you can just be perfect, the power of God will flow from you. I really wanted the power of God to to flow out of my life. And I really wanted to be perfect, but I wasn't. God's slow to anger, and I'm glad. I didn't think he was slow to anger back then. And abounding in mercy, abounding in it, He will not always strive with us and will not always keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins nor punished us according to our iniquities. The day will come when God, his anger will be complete and God will judge this world. Not only is God the merciful God who created us, but he is the judge of the universe and he demands justice. How do we tie that together With the fact that we've been given mercy we haven't been given justice because if we were given justice then he would deal with us according to our sins you and i have been given mercy because of the work that he did upon the cross and god's desire that all would be saved and all would come to the knowledge of the truth so he works with us in in mercy he gives us grace and then one day we will come to that point where god will deal with mankind he goes on to say then in verse 15 excuse me verse 11 for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is the mercy towards those who fear him. What does it take to be able to receive this mercy from God, this great mercy? It takes fearing God. Now, the fear of the Lord in the Old Testament is, is one of those difficult concepts. People say, What? Well, I don't really fear God. I see God as being really loving. I see Jesus being really tender. I don't really fear him. But I want to say that one day, when you see him in all of his glory, you will fear him. There will be a day when you see him and you will realize that God, you know, the, 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 um, the Hebrew word for awesome or incredibly, just the Hebrew, there's a Hebrew word to describe God as in this incredibly awesome place. And the English has such a hard time with that concept of someone that is good and loving, but awesome and striking fear. So the Bible translates the word terrible for no other word, that God is a terrible God for the lack of a word to help to describe God in his awesomeness. It's not saying that God's a terrible God, like if you're a terrible parent, it's that he's awesome. And you go back to the Hebrew word, it's that he's awesome that he can strike terror in our hearts by just seeing him. And one day when we stand before him, we're gonna be so thankful for this truth that God's mercy endures forever and that his truth is given to us and his mercy is high above the earth. It goes on to say in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. What a great picture. From the the, the east, from the west, never touching. You know, if he said, as far as the north is from the south, you can go south and eventually turn and go north. But you can never go east and eventually turn and go west. You'll always be going east or you turn around and always be going west. Eventually you hit one way or the other. For him to say that your sins are as far as the east is from the west is that God completely removes them from us. And since God gives his mercy to those who fear him, that our sins are completely removed from as far as the east and the west is an awesome thing. Verse 13, as a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. When we think of the fear of the Lord also, think of humility. Just humbling yourself in the presence of God. Just saying, God, you are God. Stephen Curtis Chapman said, and I am not. Again, sometimes we think you're God and you ought to listen to me. You're God and I've got a better way than you. But you are God and I'm not. And I will trust you and where you're taking me and in what you're doing. For he knows our frames and he remembers that we are dust. What a good verse. What a good verse for all of us. God knows our ways and he knows that we're dust. And so he has mercy not upon those that will always do right, not upon those that are able to to do more right things than they've done wrong things, to get more good things in the column for good instead of bad things in the column for bad that you can finally make it into heaven, but that God remembers our weaknesses and has forgiven our sins, again, so we can go boldly before the throne. He says, as for man, his days are like grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourishes for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place remembers no more James said that our life is like a vapor it's here one moment and it's gone the next and this becomes more evident to us as we grow older the older we get the more we realize it we realize that our lives are 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 short on time Paul said redeem the days because they're short buy them back do the work that God's called you to do use your life to glorify his name because the point will come the time will come when our life is over and it will it will seem so fast it goes on to say in verse 17 but the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting our lives might be short we might make mistakes but God knows who we are and his days are from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him Once again, the concept and idea of fearing God and his righteousness to the children's children to such as keep his covenant. The covenant that he had with them was the Old Testament covenant. The covenant was that they were to walk before him and keep the commandments that had been given from Exodus chapter 20 through, I think it's Exodus chapter 24. But then immediately you go into the building of the tabernacle in Exodus. And the tabernacle is the place where the sacrifices would be given. Then you get into Leviticus which breaks down all of the sacrifices that were given for him. So the covenant had built into it the sacrifices for the sins of the individuals. We know we can't keep even the 10 commandments. I've had people tell me, well, I don't know that we're supposed to keep all 660 something of the Old Testament commands, but we got to keep the 10 commandments. And Jesus said, if you're angry with your brother in your heart, then you've murdered him. He said, if you lust after a woman in your heart, then you've committed adultery. And so he was saying that we all have failed and we've all fallen short of those things. And so we need to have the complete and total mercy and forgiveness of God in our fear of him. He says then in verse 19, 17, yeah, the middle of verse 17, but the mercy of the Lord is for, remember last and everlasting to those who fear him and in his righteousness to the children's children, to such as keep the covenant, that's where we were, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over us. God is the one who was on the throne. God's the one who gives us direction. God is the one who makes the rules. We are his and not, our, and not we who made ourselves. Blessed be the Lord, you his angels, who excels in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure, bless the Lord, all of his works in all his places of his dominion. Because God sets upon the throne, then we want to worship him in all that we're doing, in all that we're going through. And thank him for the mercies that are revealed in our lives as we walk before him, that whatever, whatever stage of life we're in or wherever we might be, that God is glorified in us and the people around us are touched by our lives. Stand with me, would you? And let's pray together. Father, we want to have that fear before you. We know that you are good and you are slow to anger and you are merciful, but we also know that you are totally awesome and that you are fearful in a way that we can't even describe. How can we have a God who is light and who is love and yet be fearful to us because of how awesome you are? And one day we will see you in all of that awesomeness. And we look forward to that day. And Lord, we thank you for your mercy that is as high above the heavens or over the earth and for our sins that are separated as far as the East is from the West, that we can walk with you, know you and love you and that our lives can be used by you. Lord, for those that are here today that may relate well to Psalms 102 their life, they're, they're in despair, they're calling out to you, that they know that, that you hear their cries and that you are moving even in the midst of their struggles. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m our west campus south of palo verde and i-10 meets sunday mornings at 8:30 and 11 a.m our midweek service times are wednesday evening at 6 p.m at our east campus and 7:15 p.m at our west campus if you prefer you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our facebook page and youtube channel our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If practical Christian living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a recurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.